Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Jeff Strong, and I'm glad you've joined us this morning. Um, we're going to be doing something a little bit different today. Normally, we would live stream our Sunday message, but I really felt that today's content would benefit from slides and some visuals. And right now, our live streaming setup isn't able to integrate those kind of on the fly in addition to live streaming. So this is going to be a one-off message. So it's not part of a series. I'm going to be moving back into the book of Revelation next Sunday. But I felt really compelled to teach on this topic of getting clarity across the spectrum, better understanding who we are and where we're going. Uh, because I think it's important for me to provide clarity around the kind of Christianity that I subscribe to and the kind of Christianity that our church is committed to. One of the things that has been hard not to notice over the course of the pandemic is that, you know, you, you see a number of different responses by Christians, by Christian leaders, by ministries, uh, from different churches in reaction to what they see happening around them. Just take the pandemic as an example. You can see different reactions spanning from full cooperation to serious resistance. Uh, there are expressions of agitation, surprise, excitement, disappointment, anger at the decisions being made by Christian leaders and by churches. And I think that's on both sides. And as I've reflected on it, you know, one of the things you realize when you're, whenever you see strong emotions is that strong emotions are often a reaction to a set of expectations and values and assumptions that people have, but in this case, Christians have, and they're expecting their Christian leaders to mirror or their churches to mirror. And when they don't, there's this dissonance. And it causes a lot of confusion. And in some cases, it causes a tremendous amount of friction and even hurt. Those expectations and assumptions need to be identified by every Christian, and they need to be evaluated. That's really important, especially during tumultuous, disruptive times. Because if those expectations and assumptions remain kind of under the surface, they can result in all kinds of unnecessary confusion, anger, resentment towards other Christians, towards churches, towards anyone who we don't see reacting in a way that is kind of courageous and correct. So today what I want to do is present a pretty simple understanding of some theological categories within Christianity that I think is going to be really helpful for all of us. Um, whether it's understanding the views and behaviors of Christians that differ from our own connected to the pandemic, or just maybe another theological issue or ethical issue. Um, understanding these broad categories will help us better navigate points of tension and disagreement that are inevitable within uh, family, church families, denominations, within the broader Christian community. So what I want to do is I want to present the four uh, 
kind of most high level Christian worldviews or what some might call a theological posture that exists within Protestant Christianity. So by Protestant Christianity, again, we're not talking about Roman, anyone who, can, who, who would identify as Roman Catholic or be a part of a Greek or Rus Russian Orthodox tradition. So this is within Protestant Christians, there's essentially four kinds of Christians, liberal, progressive, evangelical, and fundamentalist. These are not denominational categories. So we're not talking about Baptists versus Lutherans versus Evangelical Covenant versus United or Anglican. This is like another level of high level abstract. It's pulling out even farther and saying, when you look at the entire swath denominationally within Protestant Christianity, there are four fundamental theological postures that denominations situate themselves within, but so do individual Christians. These four categories lie across a spectrum. And <clears throat> it, it, it might be helpful to think about them as theological postures towards orthodoxy and orthopraxis, meaning these are four ways across a spectrum that Christians grapple with what is the true teaching and how do we arrive at right teaching, that's orthodoxy, and how do we arrive at right living, orthopraxis. What is true and faithful Christian truth and true and faithful Christian living? And depending on how you answer the interface between those, you will find yourself landing in one of these Again, I don't like to call them camps because camps infer a little bit too much of a clear boundary marker, but you will fall within a bandwidth uh, along this spectrum. So today what I wanna do is I wanna explain each of these. I wanna show how they differ in emphasis across a number of topics so that you sort of get a sense and feel for how progressive Christians would approach a topic versus fundamentalist versus a liberal versus an evangelical. I want to help you understand where you fall within this along the spectrum. And then lastly, I want to help us identify and understand our church's identity, Nelson Covenant Church, within this spectrum, and flesh out some of the implications that that has for us. Given our theological posture and commitment, what should we expect? What should you expect being part of our church moving forward? So all that to say, this is actually going to be really, really fun. It's a lot of self-discovery, self-disclosure. It's going to raise a lot of interesting, uh, I think, questions. I've shared this with a few people in advance of Sunday, and it's led to lots of really good discussion. More about that near the end. Again, I want to emphasize, though, what we're talking about here is a spectrum that moves from liberal to fundamentalist. So it's nuanced, right? You could look at just the evangelical bandwidth and look at a spectrum within that. So I'm gonna be speaking in broad generalities. Please understand more advanced conversations. We could drill down to different levels. There's lots of nuance here and there's lots of room for nuance. But for today, I just wanna provide a simple, accessible, high level analysis that serves as a starting point to bring clarity around who we are as a church, where we're going, 
and in understanding who you are as a Christian, how that interaction is going to, what you need to be aware of given um, whether it's overlap or divergence in that dynamic. Okay, so let's briefly look at liberal Christians. So liberal Christians who subscribe to liberal Christianity, they tend to deny even the fundamental tenets of the Christian faith. Um, they're not really interested in doctrine. They favor a much more private and unobtrusive spirituality, and they tend to emphasize the importance of social issues and social justice. So liberal Christians, uh, one could argue, minimize fundamental tenets of the Christian faith and doctrine to such a degree that it's really challenging to even talk about them as biblical Christians or even Christians, because many liberal Christians will deny the miracles, will deny the virgin birth, they'll deny even the resurrection of Jesus, or they'll spiritualize it, but they don't believe in a bodily resurrection. These are sort of the I'm spiritual but not religious crowd, and they still vaguely like the emphasis that they read into the New Testament in terms of like love and we should care and we should make the world a better place. But for many liberal Christians, Christianity begins and ends with the idea that God is love, you should try and be a good person, make the world a better place. Doctrine and engaging your Bible critically and thoughtfully isn't necessarily a very high value. Now, that's a little bit more distinctive from progressive Christians. Progressive Christians tend to hold to at least the basic creeds of Christian belief. They do believe that there's one God. They do believe that the Bible teaches a trinity. They do believe in the deity of Jesus and the death and resurrection of Christ and the future resurrection. So those core, what they would see as quote-unquote gospel issues, those core issues are held to very tightly. But every other attendant issue related to the gospel, what they would call secondary issues, are more or less up for grabs. So when we talk about, is the God who is revealed in the Old Testament an actual picture of who God actually is with his wrath and his judgment, a lot of progressives will say no. Uh, progressive theology and progressive Christians have very revisionist, and, um, and what that means is they uh, are very eager to revise conceptual or sorry, traditional understandings of hell or the nature of salvation, who is saved and how um, on topics like abortion or marriage, they tend to lean towards a more culturally progressive view. So liberals would say, liberal Christians say creeds and doctrines aren't important at all. It's just about how you live your life. Progressive Christians though would say, no, there are core um, doctrines of the faith that are really important, but there's not that many. They're, they're quite few and small, and in every other area, we should just be really relaxed and sort of agree to disagree. Evangelical Christians would be furthermore to the right, and they tend to uphold the core tenets of Christianity, and unlike progressives, really seek to give the Bible authority over all matters of not just doctrine, but also practice. So evangelicals have traditionally been interested in not just figuring out what the Bible teaches we ought to believe and how we should order our understanding of who God is, who we are, but how we're called to live in the world. So every issue, right down to whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, 
evangelicals are interested in asking the question, what does it look like? Does the Bible give us direction on how do we do these things to the glory of God? And their answer is yes, sometimes not in deep specificity, but in broad principles at least. So evangelicals are interested in bringing not just the gospel to bear in terms of their individual salvation, but how the gospel and the New Testament witness, the life and teachings of Jesus, and then the instructions to the early church, challenge and compel Christians to not just believe what the Bible teaches, but to pursue a faithful expression of that of those convictions. So they believe that the evangelion, the gospel, the good news of Christianity, holds implications for all dimensions of life. But those secondary non-salvific issues, let's say, for example, how ought a Christian couple to parent their children, those kind of secondary issues that aren't related to salvation are treated with a certain amount of charity. And that's because evangelical Christianity is a reaction to fundamentalist Christianity. Fundamentalist Christianity comes on the scene in the early 20th century as a reaction to liberal and in some cases progressive Christianity and says, no, there are fundamentals of the faith that we have to uphold as Christians. And so fundamentalist, uh, the fundamentalist movement tends to uphold the idea that almost all dimensions of not just Christian doctrine, meaning what the Bible teaches about God, but all dimensions of Christian expression are essential to true Christian faith. So not only does the Bible teach us that there are certain things we must believe, but there are certain ways of living that we must live into if we are truly interested in faithfully glorifying God. So not only is, does doctrine have a very precise understanding, but how you express and live your life, right down to the words you use, the kind of clothes you wear, what you do or don't do on a Sunday, how you structure your time at church. All of these things have very precise parameters. And so the result of this are these parameters or boundaries around both faith and practice that are very strictly defined and very strictly reinforced. Okay, here's where you, we can interact a little bit. If you haven't done so already, uh, you can just, uh, or I, I don't even think I've asked you to do this, so you wouldn't have done it already, unless you're like super keener, in, in which case, awesome. Uh, pause the recording. This isn't a live stream. You're not gonna miss anything. Pause the recording. Go get a piece of paper and a pen and just draw a line across that piece of paper with just, you know, the broad categories. Don't worry, it doesn't have to be equal. You're just kind of saying liberal, progressive, evangelical, fundamentalist. And then what I'm going to do is as I move through the following dimensions of either doctrine or practice and explain how along that spectrum these different um, worldviews fall, for each one, I just want you to put a little tick and say, oh yeah, I think I'd be probably kind of evangelical there. Oh, oh maybe I'd be a bit more fundamentalist here. Oh, maybe I'd be a little bit more liberal over here. And, and that's going to be really helpful for you by the end of this short little interactive exercise to say, while there's obviously some sway, you're, not, you're probably not going to have everything land in um, uh, 
I shouldn't say that, maybe you will, but it, most people don't have all of these little ticks land in the same area, but you're gonna see a cluster and that's gonna be really helpful for you to identify and say, I mean, this obviously isn't a scientific uh, exercise. It just relies on your own sense of self-awareness around some of these issues, but it will allow you to identify and say, yeah, I guess I never really thought of myself as, you know, broadly speaking, kind of progressive in my thinking as it relates to the Christian faith, but there's quite a lot of ticks that I have in, in kind of that area along the spectrum. So this is just an opportunity for you to engage with the message in a way that deepens your own self-understanding. So let's look at how liberal, progressive, evangelical, and fundamentalist uh, ways of understanding the Christian faith impact the authority they give to scripture. So every everybody has to live with someone being the ultimate source of authority. Could be themselves, could be an expert, but someone, you know, we all have to structure our lives in such a way that we're at the end of the day willing to listen to this person or this source of authority above all others. And when it comes to having that be scripture, if you start on the liberal side, they would have a um, they would have a very low view of the authority of scripture. So they wouldn't say that scripture is unimportant, but they just wouldn't see it as being very authoritative. That you can take it or leave it. It's has some good ideas in it, and you should weigh those against all other kinds of authority that are on equal level. And then as you move through progressive, evangelical, all the way to fundamentalist, on the far right side with fundamentalists, they would have an incredibly high view of scripture, almost to the degree in some fundamentalistic circles that uh, you, you almost don't need anything other than the Bible. They talk about the Bible as if that's all you need for all of life. And uh, you don't even need to open another book. Just keep pouring in God's word. So liberal on the far left is very low view of scripture and across a spectrum, you're having progressives saying like, yeah, it's important, but you know, not like maybe like capital A authority. And then evangelicals starting to say, yes, authoritative, but we need to weigh that with other elements and then fundamentalist all the way to like, no, Bible alone, sole authority, ultimate authority in a very um, totalistic sense. Where would you place yourself on that spectrum? Next one, doctrinal precision. How important is it to articulate precise teachings related to how we ought to believe and how we ought to practice our faith? On the left side, liberals start, uh, on that side, you're, you're kind of looking at Doctrinal precision isn't important at all. It doesn't really matter, actually, in a lot of ways, what you believe, as long as you're a good person and you express a good life. And then as you move through the spectrum, you're moving towards increasingly saying, no, it is important to get a handle on some of these core definitions of what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Ethics in certain areas of life. Fundamentalism ends with real precision, not just around the core doctrines of the faith, but on any topic imaginable, um, from how you spend your money to how you dress to, again, I referenced this at the start, um, what, what does the Bible teach on the Sabbath and how should that be expressed and how do we talk about that in a way that people know what they should or shouldn't be doing on Sabbath day? High level of doctrinal position, sorry, precision. Where would you 
kind of place yourself. And again, just go with your gut. This isn't a test. I'm not asking anybody to submit these after the fact. This is just for your own sense of self-understanding. Engagement with culture. You have the spectrum that runs on the left with liberal with full enthusiastic cooperation. Whatever's happening in the broader culture, liberal Christians tend to be like, yep, culture's kind of more or less got it right. Awesome. Let's just go along with it and celebrate all the way to Progressive beings like most of the time, for sure. Evangelicals being like, eh, it's kind of 50-50. It kind of depends. I want, I'm not sure if we should be so full into culture, especially if there's clearly transgression of some Christian norms or uh, boundary markers. And fundamentalists don't want to engage with the culture at all. Their, their fundamental default is deep suspicion towards the culture. So if you think of the spectrum as a way through which Christians decide how involved they want to be in culture, um, not evangelizing to the culture, but how integrated they want to be with the culture. On the left, liberals are like, yeah, it's pretty much all good, awesome, swinging all the way to the right, where fundamentalists say, no, avoid the culture and avoid engagement with it because it will fundamentally corrupt you. We need to kind of create our own sub-Christian culture and be in a bit of a, a, a bubble. Where would you place yourself on that spectrum? Okay, here's kind of one that's anecdotal, but these worldviews do play out in a temperamental posture or quote-unquote vibe of the kinds of churches or Christian communities that these tend to um, nourish. And, you know, again, at the risk of speaking in broad generalities, on the left with liberalism, you have a very uh, optimistic, enthusiastic, fun-loving, uh, not so serious, welcoming, highly relational vibe, all the way to fundamentalists on the other extreme being very uh, almost uh, angry and critical. There's a, you know, if you've ever walked into a fundamentalist church, and I have a few times, right when you walk in, there's this real sense of like, this is super serious. This is super intense. And this is very, um, there's a, there's an edge to the air. And then, you know, evangelical and progressives would be kind of somewhere in, in between saying like, yeah, we want to be welcoming and warm, but there's a place for focus and for um, reverence and for seriousness as well. The relational ethos. Liberals, you start on that end of the spectrum and you're getting highly open and affirming. Everyone's welcome. It's all good. We just want to have the biggest tent possible. Anybody who wants to be part of our church and get involved, it's all good. The biggest front door ever. And then that front door gets smaller and smaller and smaller, not based on, um, well, based on the extent to which someone wants to engage and grow in the vision and ministry of Jesus, all the way to fundamentalism, where the front door might not even be open. It might be more like a, hey, before you become a part of our community, you have to pass some doctrinal litmus tests. So it's kind of like, how big is your front door? And when you walk into the living room, are people being like, hey, it's really glad you're here. Liberals, that would swing in that direction. Fundamentalists would be more like, who are you and why are you here? Can we trust you? Um, we have to do some vetting before we're really going to embrace you as one of our own. 
Where do you land on that spectrum? What is the gospel, right? When liberals talk about the gospel, they tend to talk about it in very vague and open-ended terms. So social justice is the gospel. Um, helping people who are hurting is the gospel. Being a part of making the world a better place is the gospel. And then as you move along the spectrum, the precision around the language that we use for defining the gospel gets more and more focused, and in some cases narrow, all the way to a fundamentalist who has a very specific wording around the gospel, a very um, precise definition of what we mean and what people should mean when they say the gospel almost to the point where like there is a right answer. There's a, there's a script where you have to define it this way. So how much play does even a concept like the gospel, the fundamental good news of Christianity, how is that understood and how is that talked about? That can give us an under, uh, that can locate us within liberal, progressive, evangelical, or fundamentalistic um, traditions. Christian freedom. This is another really important one. How much freedom do individual Christians have to live life before God according to their own conscience and not according to what their church says or what their pastor says or what the Christians around them say? So if you're liberal, a liberal Christian says, your Christian freedom is total and absolute. No one has any right to tell you how to live. That's between you and God how you talk, what you watch, what you invest in, how you use your body, uh, how you, uh, the, the kinds of causes that you choose to support or not support, that's no one's business other than your own. You have complete freedom from any restraints to live the way you want to live. And you can do that in the name of Jesus and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Progressives are a little bit more strict. Evangelicals tighten that a little bit more all the way to fundamentalists who on the other extreme would say there's almost no Christian freedom. In some fundamentalistic circles, again, how you structure your life, how you structure your time, what you spend your time on, how you recreate, it's all spoken for by either your church or the church's core teachings or the pastor. So learning to live faithfully before God in fundamentalistic circles is about learning to do what you're told, not just in the sense of the Bible tells me to do this, but the particular expression and way that my church or denomination or pastor tells me to live and prioritize. So starting in the left, you have absolute and total Christian freedom. And then as you move towards the right, that freedom is held in tension with, well, but how does the Bible call us to live? There's limits to that freedom all the way into fundamentalism, which would say um, Christian freedom is kind of a dangerous slope to allow, to encourage people to live however they want. And the Bible gives us very strict directives around how to, what to believe and how to live. So Christian freedom is very low on that right side. Ecclesiology, how important is the church? What's your understanding of what it means to be part of the church? On the left side, liberalism says, eh, being a part of a church isn't really that important. It's much more about a personal relationship with God. And if you have God in your heart, you don't need to show up on Sunday or worship. I mean, if you want to go on Christmas and Easter, that's totally fine. But um, actively being involved in a local church isn't that important. As you move to the right, the value increases around 
yeah, going to church doesn't save you. Going to church doesn't prove that you are a faithful Christian, but faithful Christians are called to care for and support and serve one another. And part of that mission is to gather and worship as the church and to serve together and to serve each other as the church. So as you move towards the right side, you have an increasing value of the the role that not the church building, but the gathered assembly of believers plays in a Christian's life, all the way to fundamentalism, where sometimes it's stressed as so important. It's kind of like that legalistic, like church twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, almost like, like you couldn't be a Christian. The only time you are a Christian is when you're in church doing church stuff. So therefore you got to be doing church all the time. And activity in church is correlated with spiritual uh, faithfulness and vibrancy before God. So that would be on the really extreme right end towards fundamentalism. What should be the missional focus of the church? What should we be doing as a church? We're a group of people who are like, we're Christians. We love God. Okay, great. What should we be investing our time, energy, and money into? What's our mission as the church? On the liberal end of things, you have our mission should be broadly supporting social initiatives that make the world a better place. And again, a lot of focus on social issues and social justice. As you move towards the right, you have an increasing emphasis on that being held together with the need to encourage and compel individuals to turn their life over to Jesus. That's part of the mission of the church is to call people to become a disciple of Jesus move further to the right and fundamentalism, and that's about the soul focus. The, the missional focus of the church is soul winning. We want people to give their lives over to Jesus, accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, um, and be saved. And then once that's accomplished, uh, we want to move on to other people who aren't saved. The larger social issues and help and discipling people into the broader ramifications of the gospel on the right side is very, very downplayed. The mission of the church is essentially soul winning, making sure, and even language around, at the end of the day, the church is about saving sinners from hell. That would, that's what they see as the mission of the church. So you kind of have this on the left side, a real focus on social issues, and on the right side, a real focus on the individual and individual salvation. And then progressive and evangelicals kind of leaning in both of those directions, but trying to trying to hold attention, but evangelicals leaning towards, ah, it's really important to emphasize the need for Jesus to be one's personal Lord and Savior in order to facilitate social transformation. Progressives would lean a little bit more into people need to see that the church is making a difference in the world before they'll be open to the idea that they need to have Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Okay. That was a rapid, rapid fire. And I hope that along your line, you've kind of been making ticks along the way of where you are. Here's my chance to disclose where I am. I am pretty firmly evangelical. In fact, there's only a few minor instances where I would even say, well, maybe I would consider myself progressive in that way or fundamentalist in this way. I, I'm pretty lockstep evangelical. Now, no surprise, hopefully, I'm pastor of an evangelical covenant church, and this is what I explained and talked about with the hiring committee, is that uh, 
this is where I land in terms of my conviction or worldview and theological posture and temperament. I also chose a church that traditionally was well within those evangelical boundary markers. So our church has been and will continue to be under my leadership um, pretty seeking to facilitate and to nurture a really sophisticated, robust, challenging, interesting, passionate, evangelical expression of the Christian faith. That's what I'm passionate about um, cultivating in my own life. That's what I'm passionate about cultivating for those who consider this their home church. Now, my question to you is, where are you on this spectrum? Would you land predominantly liberal or progressive, evangelical, or fundamentalist? It's important to understand that this is where I am as a pastor. This is where we are as a church and what I and our SLT is committed to reinforcing moving forward as a church. And then to take a look at where do you fit within that? Oh, hold on one second. Yes, Avery, come on in. No, you can, you can grab a drink though. Okay. I'm already covered in water. Okay. Please, can we have? Yeah. We've been waiting for. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Yep. Okay. Sorry, I'm recording here on a Saturday morning, and I'm also half babysitting. So, sorry about the interruption there. So it's important for you to understand where I'm at, where our church is at, and where our church is going, and where I want to lead. What I want to lead the church into, and where you are as part of the mix. Because the farther you move away from a broadly evangelical value set, the more dissonance you're going to feel in terms of my leadership, our leadership as a church, our direction as a church. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Our church can't be all things to all people. We are and want to be a uh, a, a wonderful and healthy evangelical church. But it's important to name that emphasis because um, part of my passion, part of my desire is to influence everybody in our church into an evangelical posture. Part of what I'm passionate about doing is taking people who are already solidly evangelical and deepening their engagement as evangelicals and to, to people who lie outside of the evangelical boundary markers, kind of using my influence and saying, hey, come check this out. I think this has a lot to offer. I think evangelicalism holds together in dynamic and challenging ways, a lot of tension points around how do we uh, passionately and thoughtfully and seriously contend with how the Bible and how Jesus and how the New Testament authors inspired by the Spirit of God call us to live? But how does that look in a modern world and in our context and here in Nelson? How do we fuse those together in such a way that whether we're talking about the authority of Scripture 
or how we ought to approach issues related to bo our bodies and sexuality, uh, money, um, understanding of the end times and how we should live, given that we believe Jesus is going to come back bodily to judge the living and the dead. All of these issues become uh, arenas of serious grappling with the scriptures, with each other, and learning from the best Christian traditions. Now, I again, in identifying myself as an evangelical Christian, I'm not saying people who don't fall within evangelicalism are not Christians. I'm not saying that. But I, I, I think I need to be honest that I think the evangelical posture, broadly speaking, is the healthiest and the most fruitful sandbox to play and live in. Now, that's, that being said, you can totally be part of our church if you are a liberal Christian, if you are a progressive Christian, if you are a fundamentalist Christian. But if you are those things strongly and solidly, you're going to need to be aware that there's going to be inevitable tension points around the way we frame and understand and engage our mission and ministry that you're going to have to adjust to because we're not trying to be a liberal church. We're not trying to be a progressive church understood in this way. We're not trying to be a fundamentalist church understood in that kind of strict way. I want our church to become a healthy, strong, dynamic, evangelical church. Everyone is welcome to be a part of our church, but you need to understand that if you're not moving in that direction, there's just going to be a lot of points where you're like, I'm kind of disappointed in Jeff, in the church, in the leadership of this church. But that disappointment you need to recognize comes from the fact that it doesn't come from the fact that we are um, failing to follow through on something that we've said we're going to follow through on. We want to be evangelical. We are evangelical. We want to stay evangelical. We want to deepen and expand our expression of healthy, evangelical, Jesus-centered, loving God, loving neighbor, a spiritual walk with Christ. And so to that end, the flavor of the covenant the kind of covenant church that we want to be is one where we're evangelical, but we're not exclusive. Meaning we're not saying, oh, only evangelicals are real Christians or only people who subscribe to this way of understanding doctrine and practice are real. No, like we want to be warm and welcoming and caring and supportive towards anyone who wants to sincerely seek Jesus, but we are evangelical. We want to be biblical, but not doctrinaire means we want to be grounded in the text. We want to be engaging the text daily, individually in small groups, uh, in our discussions, learning from and with each other, but what the Bible says and how that impacts how we live. But we don't want to be doctrinaire. We don't want to slip into the temptation of feeling like we can figure everything out, have all the T's crossed, all the I's dotted, and we just kind of enforce the right way to think about every issue. And there's no freedom to have some questioning and flexibility. We want to be traditional, because we recognize after 2,000 years of Christianity, we know a lot about what works and what actually helps people individually. And when they come together in things like Sunday morning or in small groups, we know what works in terms of facilitating maturity and growth. That doesn't mean we're completely closed to new ways of doing things, but we don't want to fall into the trap that our culture has fallen into, which is 
If it's new, it's better. If it's old, it's obsolete. That's not true when it comes to the great truths of the faith and 2,000 years of wise Christians reflecting on anything that we've had to reflect through, including a pandemic, how to be a faithful Christian in a pandemic. And we want to be congregational, but not independent, meaning uh, we want to be a family of churches as the Evangelical Covenant Church that give our churches a lot of freedom to be their own local expression of the body of Christ. Um, but they don't get to act independently. They don't get to do or say or think and, and engage in whatever expression of Christianity they want. There is some oversight, but it's as loose as possible to allow each church to be a faithful representation of the unique spiritual gifts and heart and abilities and experiences and personalities that exist in that church. The evangelical identity that we want to continue to strengthen in this church and within the broader family of churches within the evangelical covenant are built and reinforced by coming back to and holding intention all six of these affirmations. We affirm the centrality of the word of God. As an evangelical church, the Bible is our go-to in terms of what to believe and how to live faithfully as a follower of Jesus. Nothing trumps the Bible with regard to that. We affirm the necessity of new birth. We do believe that individuals need to come to a saving faith in Jesus. They need to be born again. They have to repent, turn away from their self-centered way of life and decide to make Jesus the center of their life. Christianity isn't just a, an adoption of a kind of a moral framework. We need to be born again, forgiven and rescued out of sin's power and penalty. And we affirm the commitment to the whole mission of the church. That isn't just the mission of the church though, just to get people saved, just to introduce people into the new birth. We believe that the gospel is good news for the whole world and for every dimension of life. Christians are called to participate in the mission of God, to love and honor God, love and respect people, to make disciples. Disciples characterized as those who are pursuing righteousness and justice individually and together as communities. And faithfulness in that task looks like individual lives being transformed as I align my life to the gospel and society being transformed, sometimes slowly, but being transformed where the broken and the captive who are under sin's power find freedom, find justice, find care and support, find a redeemed and renewed family to be a part of. And that's why our mission as a church isn't just to support ministries of evangelism, where we try and convince people of the importance to become a Christian, but we have ministries of discipleship, where we grow in that relationship, ministries of mercy and justice and education and care and service. These are all critical to bearing witness to the fact that God loves us, but God loves the whole person. So God is interested in individuals and couples and families and communities, and countries, and nations. We affirm the church as a fellowship of believers. The church isn't just a social club of like-minded people. It's a family, a fellowship, 
of those who have trusted Christ and want to learn with and from each other how to walk with Christ in a, in a, in a deeper and more sincere and authentic and faithful way. We affirm conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. Again, this, this ties into this idea that is Christianity just kind of like moralism? Just be a good person, avoid the big bad sins, and, and you'll be fine. No. We're actually called to grow into the character of Jesus Christ himself. How are you going to do that? How, how am I going to do that? Just by trying? No, I need to depend on the Holy Spirit. I need the Spirit to do a work in me. As I learn, as I pray, as I participate in worship, God cultivates the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And God teaches me how to um, think rightly, how to have right ideas, orthodoxy, and to straighten out crooked paths in my behavior and my motivations. That's orthopraxis. But that happens as God's power is at work in me, as I cooperate with God. I have to learn how to trust and obey, developing a sensitivity to the promptings of the Spirit guided by God's Word. And lastly, we as an evangelical church affirm freedom in Christ. We don't want to be unnecessarily restrictive in terms of making every single person have to act and talk like Jeff or whoever we think is the model Christian. We are all united in Christ and we offer freedom to one another to differ on issues of belief or practice where the biblical and historical record seems to allow for a variety of interpretations and would seem to imply that if you do things this way, you can glorify God, but you could also glorify God by doing things this way. We don't feel a compulsion to have to say, no, there's one right way. Where the biblical witness gives us flexibility, we want to offer that to each other. We in the covenant seek to focus on what unites us as followers of Jesus rather than on what divides us. Okay, I hope that's been helpful to you to get some clarity across this spectrum to understand who we are, who I am, and where we're going as a church. This will inevitably bring up all kinds of thoughts and questions. And to that I say, let's talk about it. Awesome. I'm going to carve out an hour and a half, maybe we'll need more than that, but I'll call, carve out at least an hour and a half. I'm going to send out a Zoom link this Thursday at 7 p.m. Just a time to process questions related to this presentation. Maybe you were surprised by something that you learned, surprised by something that I said, surprised at something that you uh, jotted down, or you have a follow-up question in terms of, is this why we do this as a church, or is this why you tend to emphasize these things or you don't seem to emphasize these other things. This is going to be an awesome chance, whether there's five of us or 50, let's get together on Zoom and just talk through the implications of what we're sharing about today. So as you go, friends and family of Nelson Covenant Church, Nelson Evangelical Covenant Church, shame on me for forgetting that important word. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.